Hi everyone, welcome to episode 11 of an interview podcast with On The Ball Team Building. Again this week, we're recording from our base here on the Dinga Peninsula in the beautiful county of Kerry. I hope you all had a lovely and enjoyable week since our last podcast. At the time of recording this, I'm currently looking out the window here in Kerry and it is a beautiful morning. Um, this is definitely well needed after a couple of difficult few days of ferocious and and uh, quite damaging downpours we had we had here in the county. Look, if this is your first time listening to the Inside View podcast, we'd really appreciate it if you could take a bit of time out and go back to episode one, have a listen. Look, please do tell your family, friends, whoever you may know about uh, about this podcast. We'd really appreciate it. Um, all the support we've been getting today, it's been it's been great, and look, it, it hasn't gone unnoticed. And thanks to each and every one of you who have taken time out to listen to the podcast, download it, and just to, to pass on um, good comments about it. If you are going to have any direction about the podcast on social media, please do tag us on the ball team building, and please do tag the guests too. Again, look, we want to just uh, give a special mention to our uh, sponsors, GRG Sports, who came on, on board there a couple of weeks ago. Um, they are a sports team supplier to J Club, soccer clubs and all team sports in Ireland. And at the time of recording this podcast, we are currently running a competition in conjunction with them. Whereby we will be, whereby, yeah, whereby we are giving away um, 100 euro worth of gear. So it's definitely, definitely worthwhile um, and we would encourage everyone to to definitely to enter. Um, the response so far has been absolutely amazing and we've actually been blown away by it. At the time recording this, the winner is actually unknown because this podcast is recorded uh, there too in advance. So by the time this will actually be out, the winner will be, will be announced as well. Um, so look. Thanks for everyone who took the time out to enter and took the time out to share your story as well. Okay, so I don't know, um, would many of you have, have much knowledge or are interested in the area of concussion, but it's definitely a big uh, talking point in sport at the moment. Um, it is an area that I have a large amount of interest in as a result of doing in-depth research into the area of concussion a number of years ago. Concussion, look for those of you that might be might be aware is a traumatic brain injury, also known as mild traumatic brain injury, and is regarded as a complex physiopathical process that affects the brain. It occurs from a direct blow to the body or head, resulting in impulsive force being sent to the brain. The most frightening thing about concussion is that look, it doesn't necessarily require uh, the loss of consciousness. Ninety percent of concussions do not result in, in the individual losing consciousness. Look, on this week's episode, um, I'm delighted to be joined by former underage star Deirdre McNulty, who knows everything about the effects of concussion. In 2015, at the age of 25, he was forced to call time on his Gaelic football career and went from being a possible Tyrone senior footballer to being retired. He won a Hogan Cup, an all Ireland minor title, and mixed it among the best in the game. Hi, Dermot. Welcome to an Inside View podcast. How are you keeping? How's it going, Jamie? I keeping well. You know, just back in from a round of golf. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough life, these teachers in the summer. Like. 
And uh, over over lockdown, you know, during lockdown, how do you like how do you pass your time? Um, I believe you are over in, in Scotland. Yeah, I'm I'm a teacher over in Scotland, so I was doing my uh, my time over there during lockdown, and me and the fiance were sort of just living living together, or whatever, and just you know putting it through, putting those days through. Or some days were pretty long, or some days were pretty short. Um, you were able to pass the time. Um, now, so with school, I was sort of in and out of school because we have quite a lot of kids that are on the vulnerable side. So. Um, in and out, looking after a few of them, um, and Eva's a dentist, so she was also seeing patients here and there. So between the two of us, we were still still at some form of normality, but most of the time I was teaching from home, so online, Google Classroom, stuff like that. Um, and then just at the end of June, I decided I needed to get home, need to get a bit of Irish air in the lungs, like so. Uh, now, once I got home, it's it's just feels like I've never been away, you know that sort of way. We have just a nice big garden out the back, and and I'm going to play a bit of golf, so catching up with a few people, but nothing, nothing the way I would normally do a, a summer holidays when I'm, I'm home. And are you are you back in Tyro now full time, or is that to be to be confirmed, or what's the? the uh, well, I'll be this day three weeks. The school opens again in Scotland, so I'll be back back to work on the 10th of August so um, I once that's once that kicks in that's me back to back to teaching or whatever so we're look by the looks of it we're going to be just opening the doors and away we go and I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing or a sort of you just feel like you're winging it a wee bit but by the 10th of August we'll soon see what's what's going to happen Ch- chance it's so and hope for the best <laughs> fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Um, in case listeners aren't aware, uh, dear mate, look, you were forced to retire from playing Gaelic football at the age of 25 after sustaining eight concussions. Um, look, no doubt it was, it was difficult to make that decision to, to step away from it. Look, was it taken out of your hands or, or did you, you know, what, what, like, or did you just decide yourself? Um. Well, I seen Dr. Mike Webb after well, maybe concussion four or five, I can't really remember. Um, Dr. Mike Webb is the IRFU specialist and he does um, looks after the rugby boys and stuff, but he's also over Ulster rugby. So when I was at Jordanstown up here in, in I'd say Belfast, uh, he his base was there. So he seen me in there one one evening and sort of was sort of taken back by the the level of stress probably my brain was under. So um dealt dealt with him. Um and he he has suggested three months off and I did that and then I had another couple of concussions and took three months and then I hadn't had anything for for nearly three years or whatever, three and a half years. And so in a way I felt like I was I was out of the woods, you know. Um but then the last one was just so severe. Um, and I had sort of knocked me for knocked me for six, and you know really wasn't well. Um, you know, and I was I just started my job in Scotland, and so I I didn't go back to work for a couple of weeks, and then tried to go back, and then had to be taken back off. You know, had to come back off work for another four weeks. So and came home 
and seen a few people at home and then when I was back in Scotland because it was over there longer term I thought I needed so I seen a neurologist over there and he looked at he had a scan looked at me and was like says you know you you could go back you could go back he says and you know can you guarantee that you'll never get a bang again and I go no not not as an inside forward and throne and uh and he he goes well if you can't guarantee it he says the risk is too high he says you've done so much there's so much scar tissue sort of idea so um and realistically I was still suffering the effects for probably 18 months to two years after my last concussion. So I don't think it was ever in those two years, it was never really right to even contemplate going, oh, I'll give a, give this a lash again. And then when you're out of the game for a couple of years, you sort of, you know, and then I went, I went again, a manager was took over the club and was like, here, what do you think about coming back? So I went back to the neurologist and asked and, and he did all the checks and he was just like, what's your quality of life like now? And I was like, what's well, actually, I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm doing all right. And he goes, well, from the scan and stuff, it looks, looks pretty, de- you know, looks pretty decent. You're, he says, but the likelihood is that you're going to have some form of a brain injury or long-term brain injury that's, you know, might raise his head in your late sixties, early seventies. He says, you go back and get a bang. It might accelerate that and be maybe in your, in your fifties. He goes, this was a couple of years ago, so it was 28. He goes, say, double your age now. He says, that that could be you. You know, there's more, more to life, like, you know. With, now it's hard now. You know, the two younger brothers, the middle brother there, he's the captain of the club now. And the youngest brother is you know, really coming into his own as well. So it's sort of, you're sitting there watching the games and you're going, geez, I'm, I'm missing out. But deep down, I know I've made the right decision because my quality of life now is a hell of a lot better than it was two years ago when I was, it really was, it was a headache every day and, you know, having to go to bed once you come home from work or having to be sent home from work because the pains in your head were just, it was incredible. Like, so I, so I, I love to tell the tale hopefully and hopefully um, the wee, wee things that I've done to try and look after myself have, have, have given me, Plenty more healthy years, you know. That's we'll, we'll delve a bit deeper into each of those concussions and you know how you felt throughout those concussions in in a, in a few moments. But I suppose look, we'll we'll bring it back to your early days. Um, you were pretty handy at your football. You you played Hogan. You have a Hogan Cup medal. You have an All Ireland medal uh, with Tyrone. Um, you want to bring us through that journey? Um, like were you always playing underage for Tyrone or? Did you just break onto the Hogan Cup team and then that kind of push, kind of push you on the, the shop window as such? Yeah. Um, well, the underage, the underage system in Tyrone, the, the standards, standards are excellent, to be fair. You know, really good development squads and stuff. And I suppose I, I, just, I just had a really rich vein of form, probably between my fourth and fifth year at school. Um, and just everything I seemed to do worked, you know, one of that sort of way. And uh, I, so school level, I was always sort of playing the year above myself. Um, you know, I was either in the squad or starting in that team the year above me. Um, and then we won what's the Ranafast, so it's like uh, fifth year. We won the Ranafast, beat uh, St. Pat's Cabin. 
and then I got called up to the McCrory Cup team. So as a fifth year, getting called up to the McCrory Cup team, sort of a, it's a big thing, like, you know, because you've realistically gave three years at it. So I was, at that point, you're sort of going, I must be, must be playing all right, you know, to get this recognition and stuff. So, and then the club put me forward to a club minor, or county minor trial at, you know, when I was still 15. You know, I, I, I'm a, I'm a June birthday, like, so I was still under 16 going for the county minor trial. And so I, somehow me and another fella from the club, the two of us made it, both as under 16s. So I had three years of county minor. Wow. Uh, like, you know, and I'm probably still the same size I am now than I was a county minor. So maybe, you know, that might have, might have helped. Like. <laughs> um, so I and came on against Derry in 2006 in the minors, and we beat Derry. And then Michael Murphy and and uh, Donegal beat us then in, in an All-Ireland, or uh, Ulster semi in 06. Um, yeah, so, and that was that was the start of it. And then, then 07, 07 was a pretty decent year now. We, we won a McCrory Cup, um, played some unbelievable football, and that got us got us in the All-Ireland shop window or whatever. And probably the greatest game I was ever involved in was the All-Ireland semi-final against uh, St. St. Charles Tewham. We were nine points down at half time. Um, Michal Martin uh, from Galway was absolutely running riot. And then we, uh, I just remember at half time just sitting going, well, Liverpool did it a couple of years ago, 3-0 down. But, and that was the only thing that was in my head. And we came out and just, we, we kicked one twelve unanswered, like you know, something ridiculous like that, and so we just carried that momentum on and and it beating Tralee in the final. Like we had just so much confidence that nobody could beat us at that point, and you know we was sixteen points to seven. I think we beat Tralee in a in a in a final. We just suited a big open wide spaces in Crow Park, and I think every forward scored two points. Maybe or, you know it was just we had just a, a really really good team. And then, but we won a Ulster Ulster minor title, beat Derry. Derry actually went through the back door then and got to the All Ireland final. But Kerry beat us in a All Ireland quarter final in Tullamore. So they did in on 07. Uh, and I think a few of the Tralee boys got got us back. Um, so I was good crack. And then the following year, we we knew we had a serious team. Oh, 2008. The truth told, that 2008 team from under 15 development squad the whole way through were never beat. We'd, we'd never, we were just never beat. Um, so, but Mayo in the All Ireland final nearly had us. You know, Matty Donnelly had a kick and equaliser in the in the last seconds injury time, and then so the replay went to. In 2008, the replay went to uh, Pierce Park in Longford, and there was 22,000 people at it or something like for, wow. for the replay. So we had no shame. The likes was in the Mayo team, serious, serious battle, and we went to extra time, and the boys pulled it out of the, out of the fire, like you know. And so I, I was, I was used to a few decent days, and I was hoping that those days would have would have continued, you know. And you know, we had decent enough running. We should have, we probably should have won another uh, Ulster under twenty one title in two thousand and eleven. Cavan beat us, and that was the start of the Cavan team that won four Ulster under twenty one titles in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had, it was decent enough underage. Um, enjoyed some nice big days, but uh, I was hoping that there had been a few more. To be honest, you know. 
And I suppose, look, I, I suppose looking back at now, you, you really do appreciate, you know, I suppose those couple of years, you, you achieved a huge amount. Like, and like with, with Jordanstone as well, um, you went to college there, you know, you got to the All-Ireland semi, the Stevenson Cup final. Um, was that where you, you did it, your thesis? Or was, was that over? Yeah, I, I did. No, I did my four years at Jordanstone. I did sport and exercise science. Um, so at that point, the rule came in that no fresher could play Sigerson. So I got three years at Sigerson level. Um, realistically, the f- my first year after fresher was sort of more, we won a Ryan Cup. And then Jordanstown, there's been known to have a few uh, serious names. So um, once it came to the championship bit of Sigerson, all the boys that won the Ryan Cup were sitting on the bench, you know, that sort of way, because the names came back. Um, and then the following year, sort of was made the decision that, that that's not to happen or whatever. So we ended up UCC beat us in the Sigerson final in 2011. That was the centenary year where they went quarterfinal Thursday, semi-final Friday, final on the Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, UCC had a serious team. Uh, Crowley marked me. Uh, Peter Crowley. Oh, he was at five. Idea. And uh, Mark Collins and the likes and uh, who... Johnny Buckley was playing, and you know, so serious. I we had a decent team, and they had a serious team, so they beat us by two, maybe in the final. And then the following year, DCU beat us in a in a semi final, and with basically half of the Dublin team that has won, you know, five All Irelands or whatever. Like you know, it was like the likes of Johnny Cooper, James McCarthy, Philly McMahon. You know, Philly Philly was marking me for a while and stuff. So I so you know. It, I enjoyed the battles. Like I felt like I was able to play at that level, like you know. Um, so no, but it was an it was an enjoyable time. But as I say, I I did my my dissertation on on concussion actually at Jordanstown. And do you want to bring us through that journey? Um, what was the title of the, the dissertation? And uh, so basically, I, I thought. I've experienced a few concussions at that point. I was like, I'll uh, maybe do some research on it. Something that's interesting, you know, it's nearly personal as well. So um, basically, I, because you were dealing or playing with inter-county players or whatever, you were able to uh, sort of bend their arm a wee bit and say, go and give us, come be a research bunny for me here. So uh, we basically compared inter-county athletes that had known that they've been concussed before and inter-county athletes that say, no, I was never under, uh, concussed before. And we basically compared their times to a cognitive test and um, both right-handed, then left-handed, and then, then as using both hands. So it was like a pegboard test. So basically it's like 25 pegs and they're the same shape, but the, you have to distort your, distort your hand to try and put it into the hole, basically. And there's 25 of them and it's basic time. And sort of Dr. Webb sort of put me onto this test. This was a very good test that he would use and stuff. So, um, yeah, it was came back very interesting. You know, most of them, most of them were didn't really have too much effect. Our comparison between wasn't, wasn't a significant difference. Um, but, Shane McCormick from Kildare, he was the Kildare goalkeeper at the time. 
he was our Jordanstown keeper as well, and he had never been concussed before, so he he did he did the test, but then he got concussed after the test in a in a national league game for Kildare. So I asked Shane when he if he, when he was feeling a bit better, would he mind redoing it? And sort of this could be my sort of focal point of my you know discussion or whatever. And so six weeks after Shane was concussed, Shane's time was still twenty seconds slower in a strong hand. Oh. So the brain impairment or the cognitive and function you know functionality was such a so limited by by this that it was sort of it was mind blowing in a way and not off the top of my head but i don't know if shane ever played for kildare again you know and and he was a serious serious goalkeeper he's now well i seen him he was managing wexford ladies a couple of years ago anyway so um but i that's the one that sort of stands out to me that you know he said he felt he didn't feel too bad he sort of his sleeping stuff wasn't fantastic but um that was pretty pretty extraordinary that it was 20 seconds slower six weeks after post-concussion you've would you like to test yourself before you got concussed and been in those eight concussions yeah i would have um my brother did sports next day science as well and the one that's captain and he he did a sort of a different version of a, of a concussion sort of test it was more to do with reactions and sort of it was like a, on a on a, a laptop sort of based program and it was unbelievable how badly i scored and this was like maybe two years after my last concussion you know that sort of way um you know because he was just again he grew up with the likes of Connor Myler, went to school with Connor Myler and stuff. So he had the likes of him did the test and stuff. And I was just so, so far off. It was scary. Um, just in basic reaction time of, and sort of memory, short term memory, that sort of five, 10 second window of trying to remember, say three or four numbers or, or words was, was <laughs> it's scary. How, poor it was at that point now i've definitely got a lot better since then but you know that's through just working at it and you know as a teacher you sort of have to have that short-term memory of we things so i'm definitely a lot better than i was but i it's it's just a it's a minefield and you know i would say we know a lot more nearly about the moon than we do about sometimes some of the brain function and the impact concussion and can have on it you know oh that's that's quite scary um mm. i suppose before we go any further look i suppose if you if you've experienced concussion if you research concussion you understand what it is but um look from your perspective just for for people that be listening what is a concussion and look what signs should you be aware of everybody thinks you have to lose consciousness and that, that's just not you don't you really really don't um if a, like it's basically it's a collision and your the brain's like a jelly and you know it's inside a hard structure of your of your skull and 
basically if you have a big enough impact the the brain whacks off the side of the or part of the skull and sort of like dings it that's the sort of term that they sort of use the, the ding and you know that will then impair your your cognitive function um in some shape or form and that's sort of the to try and make it as basic as possible you know but it's basically you know if you go down you sort of bruise you bruise the brain in a way you know and with that then you're you're in a, and uh, you don't know what you could have damaged or or etc so you have to be careful um you know that can lead to swelling in the brain like like if you've got a dead leg you know your your leg would certainly protect you you know and you could start to bleed um you know so and that's where it gets i guess a wee bit more scary um but you just gotta you just gotta be careful um people you know a lot of people it used to be if we get concussed don't let them sleep you know and that's still a thing but you just got to be, it's not just one day, it's probably just be careful how they sleep and are they oversleeping or are they really struggling to sleep or is exercise giving them pains? You know, that was one of the, that was one of the things that I noticed after my first one was I went for a jog a couple of days later and, and it was just like we have about 100 yards at the back there and I was just out and around the back and I was like, where is it? Why have I got a headache? I'm just jogging, you know, when it was, you know, those sorts of pains that you just got to be careful of. And um, so I, and in its basic form, concussion is the brain getting a bang, like you would get a dead leg or a, or a dead arm or whatever. And, then, and it's how you manage that recovery. And I suppose we'll, we'll, we'll go through the journey of the concussions. Um, when did the first one come about? Um, I actually have a video of it. Um, it was the championship for the club in 2010. Um, we were beating the championship final in 2009, intermediate. And so 2010... I was sort of the first, me and there's the, the other fella that was in the county minors, Kevin, at, at under 16. He was the centre half forward and I was the full forward for the for the club. And we were the first probably forwards that were wanting the ball kicked in the one bounce in front. You know, you come out, want to kick your score or take your man on. We all, you know, I remember going, watching the club as a youngster and seeing six foot six full forward or six foot five full forward and you know lumped in in front on top of them and see what happens sort of thing and it, those players out the field still ha- had that in their in their mind trying to play with a five foot nine full forward so i um they kicked you know that was i got used to dealing with those eyeballs but that's that's how the first one came about basically the video shows that I'm going up for the ball and sort of the full back, the other cornerback goal come through me and I, my head hits off the, the turf. Um, and you can see him, I'm out at the time. Um, and my mum, you can see my mum, or sorry, my mum was say that the referee 
or not the referee, the um, linesman comes running on and he spots it and nearly swallowed my tongue. So put me into recovery position. And this is 2010, right enough. And 2010, put me in the recovery position, checked it was all right, put a wee bit of smelling salts underneath my nose, up again and play the rest of the game, you know. Scary, 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 you know, and this is where second concussion or syndrome comes in, like, you know, second concussion syndrome comes in. That's, you know, that's the, the big one. And thankfully, I've never experienced that, but that's where death sort of comes in. Like, if you have been concussed and are let play on and get another brain injury, then you're in, you're in serious baller. So, thankfully, I never experienced that, but I was very lucky on, on that one now. Yeah, if you got another impact there, you would, you know, it could definitely have caused a, you know, serious, serious problems. Um, yeah. You, when did the second concussion occur? Um, I know that the the third and fourth occurred with Tyrone on the twenty ones in two thousand eleven, so it must have been kind of more or less straight away again, was it? Uh, the second one was six weeks after the, the, the first one. It was sort of. Started that game really well, um, two, or th- two or three points in the first five minutes, and then uh, the f- next ball I went for, as I was shooting or whatever, he caught me with the elbow and sort of fractured the cheekbone or whatever. And but the way he caught me, that was me, me out at the same time, and um, I, my mum tells a funny, that she says the amount of that I talked on the, on the way to the hospital uh, was was unbelievable. So, um, but I so there was a six week window, and then where I got the two, and I remember a couple of weeks later going to the nightclub for the first time and being like, "Oh, get me out of here!" Like the you know the, the loud music and the noise, you know, really really struggled. And there's a it was a very good nightclub in Cookstown. It was every everybody in the north seemed to be <laughs> seemed to be going to it on a Monday night. Uh, called Stance Nightclub in Cookstown, and I just you could I couldn't go for a couple of weeks because it was just like you know wasn't I just wasn't wasn't right. And um, but then thankfully, like for a while there, I just started finally just after that, and I was I was not too bad and. You know, and then we we're, we are starting up finally in my placement year, and then we what do you call it? Then thrown our twenty ones. This was the minor team of 08. They were now at under twenty one level, so everybody was putting in a serious shift to make sure we were ready for it. And we won like the the what do you call it? The sort of like the preseason for the under twenty ones. It's called the Cromartin Cup. It's now changed to the I can't remember Folly McGinnis maybe or something like that. It's called now the boy from Leitrim that did died. Um so we yeah, we played played in that won that tournament, had beat Monaghan in the final of it. Um but we drew down down probably were a wee bit you know peeved that we had beat them in the first day out in two thousand and eight and they'd run us very, very close in Healy Park. I would say if we'd have played them in in the marshes in Uri that day in 2008, they made a beat us. They were they were flying like so. I think they were a bit hurt, so they ended up. That was an epic. They went we went three three games with them, like you know, um, before we were separated. But I got 
I got knocked out of training between game two and game three. Just basic sort of running off the full forward shoulder and just mistimed the run and me, the full forward and the full back all got messed up together. And, um, but this is, that was the scary one in a way because I, it was my turn to drive the train in that day. So I drove everybody home and because everybody was keeping me talking to me, you know, in the car and everything, I was okay. And Kevin literally lives, you know, 150 yards away. So that journey, he was the last off. That wasn't like, but then the, the, one of the brothers had a game and he was like, I need you to run me to this game. So I ran him to the game and it was grand because he was talking to me. But then at that game, I don't remember driving home. I drove home without him. I didn't know what happened. And my mum, she found me then in the, uh, in the house, sort of collapsed or just out cold or whatever, lying on the sofa. So went out to the car, seen the car and the car was all scraped with green grass. That So I obviously was, skirting the verge the whole way home or whatever don't don't ask me how i got myself home somebody was obviously looking looking down at me like you know to get me home but mommy couldn't even sit in the cars in the driver's seat like because the uh the amount of sweat and you know obviously the cold sweat that i were stressed that was going through the body so um i that was so that, that wasn't a great experience um and then the the fourth concussion appeared against Cavan in the Ulster Under-21 final. So I missed game three against Down. We beat them, and then the following week we played Monaghan, and I started that game. Didn't play well. You didn't play well. Um, seeing most of the minutes of the game. Um, but we got through it. We sort of I got through it somehow. And I remember my dad going, geez, you were like autopilot in the game there. You weren't, you know, normally when I got on the ball, he said it felt like there was a bu- there was a buzz about me. You know, I was trying to take somebody on. He says, you just seemed like you were going through the motions. And it just didn't feel like it was me. And so I would say that's the reason I didn't start the the, under- the final against Gavin. And we were we were getting beat and, and Raymond threw me on. And I've, First ball I went for. Boy just caught me the wrong way and just into the temple. And, and then, uh, so that was in uh, Inneskillen. So the hospital from Inneskillen pitch is less than a mile away. So blue lighted that mile or whatever up to the pitch. And um, I spent the night or whatever and scanned, etc. You know, nursed, nursed, nursed back to some form of health, shall we say, after, and then was let go that e- the following evening. And we say, you know, we 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 we'll we'll stop there for a minute. And from concussion one to concussion four, you were kind of saying between the third and the fourth concussion, um, that was probably the most severe, the one with the car. Um, Aye. Did it ever come into your mind that? Look, I should take a long period of time. I should sit out for a long period of time. Or were you in the middle of the county set up at the time and you just felt that if you did step away, would that be your mm. opportunity gone? Um, so after the fourth one, I, I what I call it, um, 
I did take three months. That's when I seen Dr. Webb. Um, you know, we had come from a small club and I uh, know people in the club weren't too happy because, you know, geez, our score, our score and forward, we need it, we need them sort of thing. And, um, you know, I, I know, I would say some people in the back of their mind probably thought if we had won that Ulster final that I would have, I would have came back for an All-Ireland semi-final, you know, that sort of way. But realistically, at that point, I was I was four concussions in about 10 months. You know, that was 10, 11 months. So I needed that break, badly needed that break. And came back then at the end of June of 2011, played for the club. And we got, you know, started to play some nice football again. I felt fresh and... And um, it was just after about, say, six, eight weeks, I was like, I'm not a million miles away here. I'll start doing a wee bit myself. And so, as I say, we have a nice backyard and out the back, so it got pounded. You know, and there was days it was good, and there was days the pain in the head was there still. So sort of, you know, I was managing it. And um, eventually then I was I was feeling good. And so I decided to go back to back to training you know I think it was the week before my birthday my birthday maybe my 21st birthday or whatever and um, we I'd, I obviously was keeping myself in good neck because we the Irish rugby used to do it as well the 150 meter shuttle you know you turn five, out to the 5 and back out to 10 and back and I came back and just, I was keeping up with everybody and I was sitting going and I was just coming back on a Tuesday night thinking you know I'll train for a couple of weeks with the boys and then I'll maybe get a, you know, a, a reserve game like a, and then maybe get in back into the seniors. And because I was doing so well in these runs in the first night, that was, that was me starting on Sunday, like, you know, and you're sort of going, the management of me returning to full-time play there might not have been fabulous. Um, but I w- at the same time, because I was involved in it, I was delighted that I was getting game time, you know, that sort of way, you know, because I'd been away for three months and I was like, Jesus, it's back already, you know. So I, but definitely concussion four probably was the one that was the first time I was like proper concerned, you know, there was, there was that sort of worry that am I doing any long-term damage here, you know, um, just coming from that sports science point of view as well, I was sort of I knew that things weren't a hundred percent. So I spent a lot of time. That's where I started to play a wee bit of golf. Actually, that's where I started to give it a wee bit of a lash to help concentration and hand-eye coordination. Um. So I used to go. There's a driving range about twelve miles from here, and at that point, it might have been. 100 balls for four pound, you know, that sort of way. So I went down and spent, spent a tenner or 12 pound and had 300 balls every every second day sort of thing just to work on hand-eye coordination again, feeling feeling all right. And I, 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 felt, I felt grand in 2011. The club got the, nearly got promoted, should have got promoted. We, and I don't know what way it works in Kerry, but the league, whatever league you're in, that's the championship you're in. We nearly got promoted through the league into the senior football. Mm-hmm. We just, we, 
we're we're eight two up, eight three up, maybe at half time in the promotion playoff match, and absolutely just for want of a better term, shit the dogs, like you know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I think we scored a point in the second half, maybe, and we got beat. And you know, just so we for having such a bad bad year, and then. You know, near we nearly finished on a real, real high. So, um, bye. So that was that was my last year at, at, with a club that we were pushing promotion. For the last four years of my club career, we we were always just staving off relegation, like you know. And was it after concussion number four? You you took three month break. Yeah. Look, after concussion four, you took three month break. Um, then when the concussion five happened, and did you take some time off then? Um, probably foolishly, I, d- I didn't. You know, I sort of went through, as we were saying there earlier, but dings. I was getting the dings were not as severe, and I was still having the same effects. Um, and then, sort of. A club training, I, I took a, a bad bang at training one night, and um, we then that night drove back up to Belfast, and then I was living with a couple of boys that are from Ocher, and they sort of came in in the middle of the night because they were in a night out, and they they seen that I was I was bleeding through my nose and my ears, so um. I hadn't been long in bed at that point as well, which is the which is the scary thing. And then, I, for about a week after that, I started to randomly bleed, you know, through both ear and nose. Not just when I was sleeping, but say I was sitting having my dinner. Or say I was in. It happened twice when I was in a lecture. And I remember people <laughs> freaking out a bit, like, "Going, what's going on here?" Um. So, again, I went back to for Mike Webb. And and he goes, you know, you need to take this time again. Like this is this it did you good last year, you know. Um, so I did, and then but I was still sort of in the recovery process, and it was during sitting during my finals, and um, I was doing my revision. Really, really was struggling to retain any information. Um and it was just as as any student does, you have a wee nap. And uh I um was la- literally lying on we have bunk beds because there's <laughs> three boys here, like so I was in the top bunk, you know, biggest brother calls always gets the shot at the top bunk, like, you know. And uh I jumped off the top bunk and the sister who's now a nurse was in the down below in the living room, below the the bedroom and she heard this thud but it wasn't just one thud it was me me jumping out and then me hitting the ground so as we as i was describing earlier about the the brain being jelly and hitting the so basically my jump not you know was nearly basically knocked me out um so then my sister found me lying lying on the bathroom floor like you know um so I, uh, at, at that point, I there was like there's a severe weakness here. Like this brain needs needs serious recovery. 
So um, I I really struggled through 2012 now. Um, really, really was struggling just for the function of life. You know, I was I was always in pain, and I was always you know at that point, was, you know, this personality. My dad would be saying things like, "You've been very childlike. You know, you're not." You're just being very giddy and you know, things like that. It just wasn't wasn't with it. Was not with it at all. So that was his biggest concern was that I was I wasn't the Germid that I was, you know, the previous year or he seemed he thought that the concussions were taking more and more effect on me as a person as well as trying to be a sportsman. Um so uh I took 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 time out, went back, but was just went back, but was not playing well, and I was so glad that 2012 was done and dusted, you know that sort of way. And um, we got a new club manager in 2013, and and I really looked after myself that winter and was like, right, we're going to give us this, we're going to give us a lash, a serious lash here, and. I was flying, you know, I was flying 2013 and was I everything I scored was from play. Like he took you no know, there was no freeze, no penalties off me. I was just you just you go play football and Jesus I was loving life and I was playing really well and twenty fourteen was something similar and then halfway through twenty fourteen I got offered to go to to uh do P teaching over in Strathclyde in Glasgow and this, it was always what, I, what my long-term goal was, and I couldn't say no. So I actually played a game on a Sunday and and uh, had a run off the game with about five minutes to go, because otherwise I missed the boat. And and uh, I drove the car, drove the car down, up to Larne and got the boat across, landed in the Glasgow at half two in the morning, started class at nine o'clock on the Monday morning, you know, and. I had nowhere to lie. I literally slept on a sofa or on a mattress between two sofas for about a month <laughs> from a couple of boys and eventually got myself sorted. Like it was sort of a very quick turnaround. And so I did the, the traveling back and forth at the end of 2014. And then for up to the summer of 2015. And then was home for the summer. And then when in Scotland, you're guaranteed a job for a year after you graduate for as a teacher and um, so i got a pe teaching job in the city of dundee um which sort of that's between edinburgh and aberdeen it's sort of the in between city and uh i have I've been there ever since but I, I was traveling back and forth and i was in the job but our first holiday or whatever was the we get two weeks in october and that's when the the final concussion occurred so in a relegation playoff game you know uh, we had we had that for a few years so we nearly became experts in the relegation playoff games you know and that was so i suppose just to paint the picture that like that would have been concussion number eight yeah and there was three to three and a half years before that was your yeah. last concussion mm-hmm. did you play much in between I, that period uh, I, I, the odd wee maybe hamstring or the wee, you know, or whatever, but 
realistically I was I was available most of the time. 2013-14 I was probably playing as good a football as I was ever playing. Um, yeah, so I think the fact that I didn't go gung-ho in 2012 when I came back, I think that made a big help. Um, but yeah, I just, I felt like I couldn't put my body through it any, any longer. And then once the neurologists were, were nearly confirming what I already knew, um, I was with sort of with, what's the word, the way to describe it, with just severe sadness, severe sadness, that I was like, you know, is this time, like, to hang them up at 25, like, which was, like, I always joked in the house that I, I would I would play senior football that was 42. I just thought 42 was a cool number and I would play to 42. But it was 17 years short, so uh, we'll just have to live with that one. Um, but I, so, I, I'm, if you'd ask, if you mean you were sitting doing this here five years ago and, you know, you know it's sort of maybe six months after the last one, uh, you know, I wouldn't, I would have struggled to ha- talk about it. Um, whereas now I've sort of grown to accept it and and uh, I know within myself that I made the right call because of my quality of life, especially after the last couple of years, has just been has been bang on perf- perfectly, you know. And on, on that point, the quality of life, um, do you, I suppose, looking back now, you know, as you went through those concussions, you know, do you... Do you see, or I suppose hindsight is, is foresight, but could you have seen that your quality of life was reducing all the time, that your mem- you had issues with memory, even reactions? Like, Do you have any issues on the football pitch where your reactions any bit slower? Um, I, I prob- likely, likely. Um, probably not between seven and eight because I had that such long a gap, but that, especially that... In- excuse me, intense period between 2010 and 2012 where there were seven and, and two years, you know, that surely would have would have had some form. I, I know at that point I wasn't firing on all cylinders, you know. Um, like uh, Dr. Dr. Webb made the, the point one time that basically sometimes it's whenever, say, a young rugby player is coming through and they get a concussion, they would nearly rather that they did some other damage as well, maybe to like say hurt the quad or hurt, you know, and we're able to because they will they'll rest that more, you know, or go through the rehab properly with that, and that'll give the brain that wee bit more time. And what the neurologist over in, in Scott and Dundee that I was seeing, he um he made the point that Basically, when you impair your brain function, that when that happens, your reaction on the pitch will be slower. So you might see a tackle coming, but you can't get out of the road of it because your reactions are slower. And therefore, you might blow up a knee or do an ankle or, you know, he says, that's, that's the risk you run then because you're, you know, when if you come back too quickly, purely because you're going to struggle to react to, all the senses that are coming in a, in a game environment. 
that event that happened to you after concussion number four, um, the incident with the with the car and the incident when you you jumped off the yeah the top bunk, like mm-hmm. did that make you realize, gee, something's not right here? Yeah, <laughs> truth be told, but you know, it was a it was a twenty year old uh, playing county under twenty one football, and you know, you were sort of going. You know, trying and my mum was actually during lockdown was clearing out pictures, or just clearing out a cupboard or two, and she found a picture of of me in standing in the lineup, you know, pre-match picture before the third down match, and me standing there, and she goes, "How did we not notice?" It, like if you if you see the picture of me, I'm literally like. I don't even look like I'm actually there, you know, it's sort of, you know, totally zonked out and, and also I would say she's glad I hung up the piss because I don't, I don't give her too many heart attacks anymore, like, you know, so, um, but I, you know, I definitely think, as you said, hindsight is foresight, like, you know, I probably should have, but as, you know, taken a step back a wee bit quicker. You know, I thought I did rightly taking three months in 2011 and in 2012, but I don't know. Maybe maybe if it had taken a full year after the, the ones in 2011, maybe, you know, the severity wouldn't have, might have, might have survived a bit longer. But, you know, I'm, I'm happy with where I'm at in life, like, so we'll, we'll just have to say, put that down to experience. And... What was it like, we say, come back after each of those concussions? Like you were saying there, you took three, three to three and a half months off, you know, between between one or two of them. And uh, mm-hmm. like, how did you, you know, it's very, like you said, it's very hard to rest your brain. Like if you rested, you know, if you broke an ankle, at least you have to rest. You won't be able to run yeah. around. How did you keep yourself motivated and tuned in between those periods and just to keep yourself away from impact as well? Yeah. Uh, um... I would say was you know wasn't ever looking at a, going on playing or PlayStation you know staying away from screens was the big one like where I am in Gorton there's it's literally it's a main street and then there's a couple of wee streets off it but it's you know there's 500 people and you know that hundred yards up the back is private and it's wonderful nobody can see in and you know and many's a golf ball's been had up there and back down and you know, you can just spend hours out there and you won't even, you know, realise. Um, but in this community, you know, the pubs and Gaelic football, that's it, like, really, like, you know, and um, I, so you were not pressurised, but you just felt that you needed to be, you needed to play, you know, and you. that's why I probably did go back early. Hi. Mm-hmm. That's the truth, really. I, I probably went back too early, but that was down to the fact of your friends were playing, you know, and, and you were getting a wee bit, I'll not lie, I was getting pressure from managers and stuff. Come on, me, James. You know, and I wish I wish I um, had probably been a bit stronger and just been like, no, I needed more time, like, you know. And do you, do you think that comes around... That that's that's the case in in every club, no matter what code it is or what sport it is. 
do you think it's it's um it's down to the fact or the lack of knowledge around concussion and concussion management and concussion and the management of concussion I think it's about like mental health like you know every uh, there's this you know mental health and concussion nearly have sort of rose to prominence over the last three or four years really um you know if, if when you see a broken arm you see a plaster paris on it you know if you see someone roll their ankle they're on crutches or whatever you know you can see the bruising or whatever it is you can't see it in the brain like you know um and I, that's the one that you you know, people. If you can't see it, people don't think it's there, and I think that's a real. It is. It's just a general thing. I think people, you know, until nearly you experience it, or you know, you know someone that has experienced it, um, you don't really know the effects that concussion can have, and um, you know, I think there's a lot of people. I think one of the most famous sayings in Ireland is "Ock you be grand," <laughs> you know, and you know how many many people have heard that and be like, oh, you know what? Actually, I'll be grand. I I'll play on here. You know, and and you're not like, and you know, it's nearly like this. You know, it's not a macho thing, but it's nearly like a a warrior thing. You know, if you've got X amount of stitches in your in your head or whatever, and you're still playing on, Jesus, he was oh, you some player like because he was able to do that. You know, but you know, the you've got to be that bit more sensible you know and um i think we've definitely the the progress over the last three or four years has been insurmountable nearly in, in educating people around concussion and i think i think the fact that rugby's taken it so seriously as well and people are seeing you know i know down your way like thoman park has seen many a big hit and you know and people have seen it and been like why you know maybe we we need to be a wee bit more uh, cautious around returning to play, and I think the the way the way rugby have the saying of "if and doubt, set them out." You know, I think I think Gaelic need to adopt that as well. Like, you know, and in a way, nearly taken out of the players' hands because at the end of the day, every player wants to play. You know, as much as as much as anything, they you think of the amount of men that have been playing with a hamstring hanging off them, or you know, and they fire that extra couple of paracetamol in the system or whatever, or ibuprofen, like, you know, just to play a game. You know, they're not going to let on that they've got a sore head, like, you know, yeah. and that's... It's definitely the warrior mentality. In this. Uh, Again, you made a good point there about it being taken out of the, the players' hands. Um, it probably be very difficult to do at club level, but definitely at a county level, they could be... They could be something done there, an independent organisation that, if there's any sign of it, take the player off. Because it is very difficult for that doctor that might be associated or affiliated with a certain club to come in and, and do that. Yeah. I think as well, like, realistically, there's very few club teams that have a doctor on the sideline. You know, you, some will even be lucky to have a physio on the sideline, you know. Um, but I, I do agree with you. But that that comes in. I think, I think the way the GE have got to do it, the way they do like child, you know, child welfare or safeguarding or whatever on their in their coaching courses, there should be maybe a, a twenty minute slot when you sit and do your level one or your level two, that you know concussion awareness, you know, 
and just go through sort of the protocols or or, or return to play if somebody does get does get knocked out um you know how you uh how you how you bring them back to and and reintegrate them into training before the the play and i think basically it's like like in anything the more you educate people the you know the better decisions will be made and at least the onus is is uh you know beyond the players and the management and at least they'll have the right level of knowledge to make that that call then rather than telling you how you be grand um yeah look one quote that, that really hit me um, when I was looking looking into your background was Gaelic football was the be-all and end-all for me. At 25, you were forced to hang up your boots. How was that for you? How did you come to, I wouldn't say accept it, but how did you come to deal with it? Well, it was, that decision was made um, in Dundee in a, in my bedroom in my, and uh, and uh, late 2015, and um, I think I knew it was coming for the, over the previous sort of month or whatever. But that last conversation we had with the neurologist at that point, it just hit home, and I remember just being like, "This is bleak, you know. This is this is tough, and you know, never drank, never smoked, still don't drink, still don't smoke, you know, just you know." to say that you played County Minor at 15, like, you know, it's a pretty cool thing to say. And I was always thinking that I'll, you know, I would, I, I would hopefully have lived at that level for a while, like, you know, and, um, like, and just at that point, the, the brother is now the captain, Fakra. He, he had sort of started to establish himself within the scene, club senior team. And, the youngest brother was just, you know, on within the next year was going to be, you know, playing as well. So sitting going, oldest of three brothers, you know, geez, it would be great that my mum and dad were sitting in the stand and my sister be sitting in the stand watching the three of us play wearing that Gorchin jersey, like, you know. And um, I, so things like that, you know, when you think of, of that, you'd be like... You know, it'd be nice to have be going into battle with the two brothers backing you up, like you know, because they're two they're two defenders, so they could come up and sort out the defender who's giving me a bit of jet, like you know, and <laughs> I just do the scoring, like you know. But I was, I'll not lie, it was a lonely couple of months, you know. Whereas I came home that Christmas, and I was just, I still wasn't right, and and uh, I sort of. Took the job of Dundee University manager um, for the Gaelic just to just to sort of take my mind off it a bit, and and it helped. That definitely helped. Like we got a, a Division One British final that year out of nowhere, like you know, and um, a serious uh, a serious Liverpool hope team beat us. And I uh, so at that coaching, I was like, I would always thought I was going to go into coaching at some point, and I was wanting to be a PE teacher, and, and now being a PE teacher, you know, enjoy all sports like, but I really enjoy seeing development in people. So um, I've re- realistically the last four or five years have now just totally devoted myself to to coaching and trying to become a better coach, and um, 
So I am really, really enjoying that. And I think that's sort of that a wee fire in my belly again, like, you know, um, I sort of, Aoife would nearly give me a hard time, like, because I have to sit with a notepad and piece of paper beside the bed, and, like, and sometimes I'll wake up in the middle of the night with this new drill and have to write it down, like, you know, and uh, she just wonders what goes on in that head of mine sometimes, like, you know, <laughs> so, uh, but I just, uh, and the boys, the boys seem to enjoy the coaching that I do, so, uh, when I come home eventually uh, to Ireland for good, like uh, I'm looking forward to getting on the on the coaching scene and at a club level, like whether that's underage or senior or men's level, like so. Um, yeah, and then you never know where you go with that, like you know. And how you know you you've said over the last you know since you retired, your quality of life have you know has improved. Do you want to give us an overview of what life was like, we say, going through those concussions? I know you were probably putting it all to the side at the time because you wanted to keep playing. But had you migraines, you know, did you notice any eating mm. issues, sleeping issues? Um, serious amount of sleeping was done. Like, uh, crazy amount of hours. You know, I would basically... So to get experience to before I became a teacher, I did work as a classroom assistant, you know, like with special needs kids and stuff. And um, and that can be tiring in itself, like, but I uh, used to go into work, come home and had a, had a sleep for two and a half, three hours before before training. Like, so I would come home at bang on. I'd try and get home as close to quarter past four as possible and I would sleep to seven o'clock you know, and then training would be a coordinate, you know, and so you'd be up and and uh and that would have been most days I would have come home and slept at four o'clock, quarter past four to seven, like, you know. And then no bother sleeping then at half ten. You know, you come home from training, sure, but I bite eat and you know, you were I was out for the count again. Um so that therefore, you know, when you're you're doing that amount of sleeping, you know, you're not chatting to people you're not you know having that bit of crack and I was always wary then of somebody maybe bumping you uh, you know in a nightclub or whatever you know and things like that like and uh or just being caught in the wrong place at the wrong time you know that sort of way so um the boy actually got married a couple of years ago me and him don't drink and we used to take turns to drive Peter and he uh there's one night he spotted that there was a row happening and he, wherever I was standing, he just went and pulled me out of the dance floor and because I'm a big dancer, like, and he would pull me out of the dance floor and says, right, watch this, there's a row happening and I didn't see it coming, you know, because he was, he was aware that I didn't want to be taking, you know, on any unnecessary bangs, like, so, um, but I, for the pains in the head, basically, it used to, it used to affect vision, um, and I would I would let on like I have carrots nearly every dinner. I was like, oh, she's my eyesight's great, like because I eat carrots every day, like. But like my vision, my vision's good. But when I exercised, I sort of lost my. So instead of being say like, you know, hundred and eighty degrees, you know, of your of your view or whatever, it sort of narrowed into maybe probably about hundred and twenty, like you know, um. 
because there was one day I was actually in a treadmill and there was a boy set treadmill beside me and only there was we were facing the the mirrors and I could see him that way. I actually couldn't see him out of my left eye. So things like that, you know, and then just when I talk about pains in the head, it was basically it was like your worst migraine you could describe and you had to sit in dark you had to be in darkness and the only way to do it was to sleep it off you know um and it used to sort of start over one eye and then it would go back and then it would sort of nearly do like a u in your head you know sort of and then the other ones it would be would have been at the sort of the top of the spine you know under the base of the skull and they would just go up and in around your your ear um and, and it was both sides you know it was sort of but there was never like erex it was just it was just all pressure like in your head um so yeah sometimes I went to a chiropractor and they released it and then the next day i would have black eyes because uh, you know what they were releasing in your head was that was the sort of the the body sort of you know it looked like i had done a couple of rounds of mike tyson but i definitely didn't like so i couldn't take i don't even could even take a jab from him like you know oh well jeez mm. that's uh that goes to show what the amount of pressure that was building up inside her. Yeah. Um, and was it like was all that after you retired? A lot of it. Um. Or were you after you retired? Like, was it straight away? Were you okay, or did it take a while? No. Um. Basically, um, the neurologist, um, over in Scotland, along with uh, the chiropractor, had been going to from. Uh, on their 16 days um in Derry she recommended and the neurologist recommended this boy Dan Brown over in Perth um which is Perth like a, a very big town um about 20 miles from Dundee and he is his own chiropractic he's a chiropractor practice and um uh basically seeing him for the intensity that I seen him for, um, basically restarted the system in my body for the want of a better term, you know. And basically, I was seeing him four times a week. For it was four times a week for the first three weeks, and then it was down to three week, three times a week, then down to two, and then once a week, and then sort of a couple of weeks before I seen him. So basically, seen him like. 20 times in four months sort of that sort of job like you know and had rebooted the system if you want for want of a better way to describe it um so the neck was you know the posterior tilt of your head was so far forward that it was putting so much pressure and everything else and so it was it was further back and then that allowed me to do things like pull-ups whereas i couldn't really do pull-ups before because it just felt like you were going to your neck was going to crack, you know, crack or whatever. So things like that, and therefore now I've been able to do pull-ups more, so I can hold my neck more in a sturdy position. You know, simple things like that that were just mind blowing. But it, you know, I always laugh. I want to get my hair cut in in Ireland. You know, the woman that did my championship haircut. You know, she's the. I still go to her. I've never got my hair cut in Scotland, and. Uh, so the kids know if I go home for a weekend because I come back and the hair's cut or, you know, and um, 
so whenever I do get a cut because of a wee bit of a receding hairline, you can see like the on the right side of my head, you can sort of see the the swelling. And the first time the hairdresser noticed that, she was like, she couldn't believe how swole up the right side of my my head was. I was like, I you know there is the brain has to you know deal with it in a certain way like so but you could clearly see the swelling on on the right side of my head so uh i have i've lived through it but um i'm glad i'm out the other side like you know was that scenario with the swelling in your head was that after your first or second concussion or was that just after you retired after retired mostly you know i think it's just you can still sort of see a wee bit of it still um but I don't know if that's just because I've got a big head as well, you know. Um, <laughs> but I, I would, it, it wasn't there before, so um, I, it's, it's one of these ones. that's just, it's part of, part of the, the scar that I have, like you know. That's, that's quite, quite scary. It's and like especially mm-hmm. with the brain, like because mm-hmm. people just don't, they don't give enough respect to, to the injury. Like, like we're saying there, like mm-hmm. if you broke your ankle, twist your ankle. It's instant pain, but with your head, you don't feel it until maybe a couple of hours or even a few days later, or you mm-hmm. might even see it a couple of months later. Um, what does the future hold for you? You kind of alluded to it already, perhaps management, but mm-hmm. our coaching. Um, yeah, I've got I've got a good buzz for coaching. Um, I actually, a couple of years ago, I took on the role of Scotland Scotland GA manager as well, and. Um, we actually had Kerry Juniors over for an All Ireland semi final last year, um, so I was it was it was good to, good to play at that level, like you know, and get let the boys see that you know, and um, and obviously this year with with Corona, where there's no no thing anymore, and then if all goes well, I'll be I'll be home this time next year, so you know I've I've sort of stepped away from that, um. But I so come home and come home and coach coach away whether that's underage or at, at men's level and I uh, you know if I I've got a job in a school and was able to coach school football because school football in Ulster's is huge like it, you know it's it's absolutely huge and I would I'll not lay a goal of mine as to, I've I've won a McCrory Cup and a and a Hogan as a player it'll be it'll be, it'll be uh, nice to manage to that level as well and. I joined a very, very small list of men that have done both, like, you know. Um, so I'll not lie, that's a burning ambition of mine. Um, whether, you know, whether I'll be able to get myself into a school that I can I can do that, it'll be, you know, we'll, we'll, sure, we'll see where that takes me. But, yeah, I've I've got the buzz now for coaching and, you know, and now I don't stop reading books or trying to upskill myself and, you know, so that's the that's the plan, like you know. So I, I do feel like the university team over here in Dun, in Dundee, I uh, they're a bit like McGinney pigs. Like I'll try a drill and see does it work, because you know it's not the be end and end all. Like you know they'll they'll just wind me up if it goes if it goes wrong. Like I sort of say to them as I'm starting the drill, I'll go, I'll say he'll marry here before I blow the whistle. You know, because we try we try new things and let them see, and if it works, then. That goes in the notepad, like you know. If it doesn't work, then it, it goes in the in the bin, in the bin, like so. Um, yeah, better coaching and 
maybe try and get a the handicap down in the golf a wee bit, maybe like you know. Before I, I leave you go, um two things. Are you going to, to do any more in the area of concussion about maybe increasing concussion awareness in 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 Ireland in the GA or what's your what's your feeling around that? I would love to be involved in something like that. Um though a couple of years ago uh, I don't know if you'd have seen it, but there was Alan Shearer did a research program on concussion, and um, sort of I sent a tweet out, and sort of a load of people got got a hold of me and asked for my opinions and stuff, and and that Christmas Ulster GA said that they'd you know we'd come and do a, a chat about it, and you know so that would be part of a coaching program or whatever, but I never I think there was bad snow or whatever, and it didn't materialize or whatever. Um, but definitely, would, I would like to be involved in, in sort of promoting awareness of the effects that concussion can have. And um, and even just, I think another thing would be to just to talk to, to other people that have gone through concussion and, and tell them that there is light on the other side of the tunnel, but you just have to, you know, sort of get through the rough water for a wee while, you know. Um, and you know, you just gotta be careful, you know, plain and simple. You you get one crack at this life, like so you may as well, you know, look after yourself, like, you know. And before I, I leave you go, um you have a dying love for, for the NFL. Um I hear that you you had a moment of glory in, in a stadium over there as at one stage. Do you want to give us an overview of, of what happened? <laughs> Hi, well, um, but huge Dallas Cowboys fan, literally huge, like Dallas Cowboys all the way. And uh, so a couple of years ago, 2018, then Scotland, they'll get two weeks off in October. So I, uh, we're like, we're, we're booking this IFA, we're, we're going like, you know, I was like, you can have your part of the holiday, I'll have my part, Dallas is my part, where do you want to go? And so we went to Nashville for five days first. So she's big into her country music or whatever. So I hit Nashville up, then went across to Dallas and seen the game on the Sunday. We beat the Jags, Jacksonville Jaguars, 48 to 7. And then on the Monday, we did a tour of the stadium. And the tour of the stadium finishes with you on the pitch. You're on the on the actual, on the pitch. And you're like, so there's dads passing the ball to their kids and scoring touchdowns and, you know, and there was me and Aoife sitting there going, geez, I wish I'd have, wish I'd have ball with me here. And uh, I could see these boys sort of in their 20s or whatever, and they were trying field goals from 10, 15 yards out. And I was like, oh, come on now, boys. We need to be kicking it from further than that. So I walked up, nearly like, you know, a shy teenage boy going, can I can I, can I play as well? Like, and uh, they were like, and they goes, I come on ahead. And I suppose they, they were all American. I started speaking Irish accent sort of starts a conversation so there we go through it goes right so we'll have a few field goals I was like any chance of taking the distance back a bit so we did and so I hit one from 35 to start then we went back to 40 and they were like you see them going and I was like I was like actually we'll go to 45 here and at this point one of the steward, uh, the people that took you around the gates he was he's like can I be referee and stuff and then suddenly there was people watching and talking about pressure at this point and then I stroke one from 45 and 50 and 
I was it was surreal feeling to have kicked a couple of field goals on in uh in Jerry World, like you know, and uh, it was funny because we went back into the this back into the store then afterwards, and uh, there's people go going, and Eva Eva could hear them, I couldn't hear them, and she was like, "That's the guy that was kicking the field goals," and I was like, <laughs> "It's just a couple of field goals, like you know." But it's uh it's nice to have, have lived that. That was that was pretty cool and. I, Dallas is a cool city, like you know. So, look, Dermot, I'll uh, I'll wrap it up there. Look, uh, thanks very much for coming on and inside your podcast. And look, been very very honest about about concussion and the effects it has had on your life and how you're managing now going forward. And look, best luck with everything else. And hopefully, you'll, the coaching career will will go on and on to 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 be successful. Yeah, thanks very much, Jimmy. I was appreciate being on and. Uh, I just hope that maybe it might hit home to a few people that we need to just be a bit more careful. I hope you all enjoyed the interview with Dermot. Um, it, just, it was a fascinating insight into the effects of concussion. Um, it's definitely something that very few athletes speak about. I don't know whether it's in, in fear of being enabled weak, soft, or whatever uh, terms those with little knowledge in the area like to apply to them. Um, but look, this it was very, very honest, open from, from Dermot. And it's something I really do appreciate. Um, the former Garton star experienced everything in relation to concussion. His teammates found him passed out with blood dripping from his ears and nose, knocking himself up by jumping from the top bunk. His mother found him unconscious on the sofa after driving from county training and extreme changes in his mood after some serious knocks. Retiring from what he loves was definitely not an easy decision. But perhaps people can take something from this. Sport is only for a period of one's life. You have to be careful as you only get one crack at life. You don't want a situation that, you know, you could serious consequences as a result of not listening to your body when you're playing, playing sport. It's about managing the risk regardless of the pain or effects being instant or not. That is all from us here on this week's podcast. Uh, sorry for this week's podcast going on, on well over an hour, but it was just, look, it was too fascinating, too interesting to cut it short um, and I just think that the effect of the conversation would be diluted if it was uh, divided up into part one and part two. Uh, look, I hope you all uh, take something from it and please do get in contact with the show if you have any stories and part of a team or a sports team or corporate team, please do let us know. Don't forget to rate, review and tell your friends about uh, an Inside View podcast and Please do um, follow us on social media to be, you know, to keep up to date about what we're doing and what we're about. Um, you find us on Instagram at underscore on the ball team building, over on Facebook on the ball team building, and on Twitter we are on the ball too. That is digital. Have a lovely week and be sure to tune in again next week when we have another exciting guest. Till then, please stay safe and remember, cred in a fan. Talk to you all soon.